Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today on the show, it is a time of uncertainty, and together we'll lay out our cards for a fleeting glimpse of what the future holds. Welcome to Gamjapar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. My name's Leo. And Leo. Yes. We are getting <laughs> mystical. Ooh, I'm excited. We're talking about the Dune Tarot. Yes. You saw the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what you clicked on. (laughs) We're talking about the Dune Tarot, which is an in-universe deck of tarot cards featured in Dune Messiah. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. So cool. Today's a fun one. It's definitely a lot of world building, a lot of extended lore. Yeah. But we love doing these types of episodes. So we wanted to dedicate an entire episode to the Dune Tarot. But before we get ahead of ourselves and dive headfirst into the lore. Right. Spoiler warning has to come first. Always. Like we said, the Dune Tarot is mentioned in Dune Messiah. Mm-hmm. So that means that today's episode will have spoilers for the first Dune novel and light spoilers for Dune Messiah. So if you are someone who's highly sensitive to spoilers or you haven't made it through the first and second book yet, we highly recommend you read those two books before listening to this episode. If you have read the first book and you're fine with sort of light and vague spoilers for the second one, then carry on. Yeah. I mean, we're going to keep it pretty about the deck and not so much about the plot of the book. Right. But you're exactly right. I mean, again, this is after, mostly, the events of the first book. So be warned. And listen, folks, if you haven't read the first book, I feel like I feel like there's a really good resource there for... I, I don't know. Hmm. It's the tip of my tongue. It's a... Hmm. Oh, yeah. Our book club. It's us. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> have you heard of Gum Jabbar the podcast? We have a book club. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. A reminder that we are reading through the entirety of the first novel in preparation for the upcoming film. Mm. And by the time this episode will go out, we will be halfway through the first book already. Yeah. So now's your time to pick up the book and catch up and read along with us and enjoy our deep dive lore heavy book club episodes which by the way are also spoiler free so they're perfect if you're a first-time reader and just think the sooner you read all of the dune books the sooner you kind of unlock all of our spoiler heavy episodes yeah (laughs) it's like an achievement (laughs) in a video game it's great earn those perks and whether it's about the book club or it's about these sort of deep dive episodes we love hearing from you kind of no matter what you have to say say to us yeah i mean 
Maybe that's too open. <laughs> just, eh. I don't know. We got an email today where someone sent us bat facts. Oh, my God. Because we made a joke about bats. We got bat facts? <laughs> we got bat facts. Did they tell us if we need to be spitting in their mouths? <laughs> there was some good speculation in there. I'll show you the email later. Okay. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> What's that email address, Abu? Where should they send us emails? It's an easy one, Leo. Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, that makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's almost too easy. <laughs> That's the best place to hit us up with your episode ideas. Just to say hello, to tell us about an episode you recently listened to, all of those and more, including bad facts, comjabarpodcast at gmail.com. That's the place for it, folks. I'll also preemptively, today's about tarot cards. I would love to hear feedback from people who know a lot about tarot cards. Yeah. About today's episode in particular. Mm-hmm. We are not experts on that subject. <laughs> so we'll be <laughs> as respectful as we know how to be. And uh, I'm sure we might misstep here and there. Don't mean to at all, but we'd love to hear from you uh, at gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com if you know all about tarot cards. But why this topic? Like, why are we talking about Dune Tarot, the Dune Tarot? Yeah, well, first of all, it's incredible world building, right? Right. The Dune Tarot is mentioned in Dune Messiah. It's a small but significant part of that book. And then almost never mentioned again in future books. <laughs> right, right. But what it does do is it paints this picture of Frank's universe for us. It gives us a glimpse into life in the Atreidean Empire by the time Dune Messiah rolls around. And it's such a wonderful, small nugget that helps flesh out this world that Frank is creating, something that Frank is so good at in the Dune saga, just building this world in a, in a way that's not obvious and, ex- and explicit. Right. So that sort of lore is always so fun to dive deep into and explore. In addition to that, with our book club episodes, with some movie planning we have coming up, <laughs> Leo, you and I are busy <laughs> yep. making stuff for this podcast. Yeah. So we wanted to try sort of a lighter, less heavy topic this time <laughs> around, considering we recently covered the entire Golden Path, which was, Oof. that was a lot of work. Also, I think try is the key word there, because despite <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the fact that this week was supposed to be like a lighter episode... The script is 11 pages long. <laughs> Hello, giddy up. What up? Uh, time to <laughs> fasten your seatbelts, folks. Yeah, we couldn't help ourselves. We, ha- we had to geek out. This was supposed to be a, a light, easy script, and it's 11 pages. So here we go. <laughs> but it's also right there. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. It's world building, and it's world building also that you could very easily miss if you only read Frank's books. Mm-hmm. Because the encyclopedia has this incredible section on the Dune Tarot, and very clearly the people who wrote the Dune Encyclopedia back in the 80s put some love and care into this. And I think it really builds out not only the universe, but also develops some ideas that Frank, you know, introduced in the Dune series Yeah, in new and interesting ways that, again, are totally harmonious with Frank's writings, which is part of why... We here at Gom Jabbar love the Dune Encyclopedia so much because it it does seem sort of uh, compatible. Yeah. And frankly, looking back on episodes that we've done over the last year or two, mm-hmm. we've done episodes on the OC Bible and the Azar book. We talked about Paul's prescience, right? We talked about the Fremen, the, their kind of arc, their rise to power and decline. And we even talked about, as you pointed out in a very long episode, we talked about the Golden Path. <laughs> And the Dune Tarot, 
kind of relates to all of those topics. And it really shocked me how much there is to talk about and how many little interconnecting bits there are. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let, let's get into it. Yeah. First and foremost, what is the Dune Tarot? We already sort of explained it, but in brief, the Dune Tarot is a tarot deck in the Dune universe. Okay, cool. Well, Alrighty. you know, thanks, guys. <laughs> you know, that was a great TLDR version of our episode. Wonderful. You could stop right. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you on the... <laughs> No, no, we're obviously we're kidding. kidding. We have yeah. like 10 more pages to go. <laughs> Wait, we have like eight eight pages. We, you know, oh, right, right. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let's oh, let's gosh. dig deeper into that. <laughs> a tarot deck that exists in the Dune universe. That's already a really interesting sentence. Right. But there's so much more to it. Before we talk about the actual deck that exists in Frank's fictional universe, the fictional deck that exists in the fictional universe. Right. We figured it would be smart to maybe set the scene and contextualize for those of us who may not know. Right. And honestly, this research was important for us as well. Totally. We wanted to talk about actual tarot decks and tarot cards and sort of broadly set the scene and explain and contextualize what they are in real life so that we can then talk about them in the fictional Dune universe. And, you know, we are not experts in this. No. <laughs> so this is going to be... Very broad, very general. And to demonstrate how broad and general it's going to be, the first thing we're going to put down there is a dictionary definition. Yes. <laughs> the tarot expert Webster gives us a definition here. Tarot decks are, quote, one of a special pack of cards, now used mainly for fortune telling, consisting of 78 cards, four suits of 14 cards each, the minor arcana, and 22 other cards, the major arcana, end quote. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of parentheses in that definition. <laughs> uh, Three parentheses, to be clear. Contained as well. Like There are brackets within brackets, plans within plans, if you would. <laughs> definitions within definitions. <laughs> the Baron Harkonnen would love this definition, yeah. <laughs> So there are four suits, and this kind of, to me, sounds familiar, right? This is like playing cards. We've got, you know, hearts, clubs, diamonds, spades. Mm -hmm. The four suits of a standard tarot deck are wands, sometimes called batons, mm -hmm. coins, sometimes called pentacles. Fun. And that's with a P, <laughs> pentacles. And cups and swords, sometimes called uh, cups and swords. They don't have, <laughs> they don't have other uh, names. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to say about the definition that we just got through, you know, it mentions those 22 other cards, the major arcana. Mm -hmm. The 22 major arcana are kind of what I picture. As someone who doesn't really know a lot about tarot cards, these are what I picture when someone says tarot deck. These are the sort of unique face cards that you probably have seen before. You know, um, the fool, death, the world. You know, yeah, they're the face cards of tarot decks. Also, shout out to anybody who watched that, like, somewhat disappointing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure season, which had <laughs> all major arcana themed stands. Anyway, <laughs> so much. I will not accept JoJo slander on this podcast. Hey, listen, that season's anime. not great. <laughs> it's, it's not. First few are good. That one's weird. Gets better, I hear. Yeah. Whatever. And 
That is about all we are qualified to say about actual tarot decks and tarot cards. Probably more. <laughs> Probably more Probably than, more than what we're qualified to say. to say, but we did a little bit of research, so we at least we tried. feel comfortable quoting Merriam-Webster at you guys. <laughs> right. And you're totally spot on that when I think of tarot cards or tarot readings or whatever, I think of someone drawing from a deck and the fool or death or the world or one of those major arcana cards coming up. I didn't actually know about the minor arcana cards. Uh, is it minor? Yeah, it? minor yeah. minor arcana. And I, frankly, having done all this research, still can't really picture them. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you search tarot decks, so much of what comes up in the search results are the major arcana. So right, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But that's important context, I think, for any of our listeners who, like us, are not super familiar with the world of tarot cards. Right. But let's move on to the Dune Tarot, the fictional tarot card set that exists and is first mentioned in Dune Messiah. Right. And interestingly enough, in Dune Messiah, we hear about the Dune Tarot pretty early on. Yeah. Like within the first few chapters, we get this quote, quote, other histories point out the spies in Muad'Dib's household. They make much of the Dune Tarot which clouded Muad'Dib's powers of prophecy, mm. end quote. Hints of things to come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, clearly, these Dune tarot cards affect Paul's prescient abilities. And we're going to get much deeper into that later on, because that is so fascinating. and tells us so much about Paul's powers and the Dune tarot and their place in his empire. Right. But by the time of Dune Messiah, it's clear that Paul Muad'Dib becoming the emperor and having these cool prescient abilities not only make him a messianic figure, a prophet of some sorts, right? but also makes the idea of prescience and looking into the future cool yeah. and hip yeah. and radical. <laughs> <laughs> it's trending. It's trending. Prescience is trending on intergalactic Twitter now that the emperor is a prescient demigod. Yeah. <laughs> So it really is when Paul rises to power that the Dune Tarot, this deck of cards, also rise to popularity. This is sort of their peak of popularity. It coincides with Paul becoming emperor. Now, whether or not you kind of personally prescribe to the effectiveness of real world tarot decks of, you know, parting the veils of time, you know, predicting future uh, calamities or future, you know, boons. The Dune Tarot decks actually worked. Like, they, they legit measurably worked. Yeah. At least a little bit. I mean, they're not... This isn't your one-stop shop for prescient mastery. <laughs> you can't just right. do it. Big asterisk there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your everyday Joe Schmo on the Arakeen streets right. can't use a Dune Tarot to pierce the veil of the future <laughs> right. in whatever minimal way. It takes a skilled person to do so. Joe Schmo on the street is not using a Dune Tarot effectively. And though he wants to. Uh, although he wants Lord, to. Lord, he wants to. Right. Remember, it's the hot new thing. Like, yeah. Paul Atreides is an influencer, man. He's like, he's making it cool to look into the future. Right. So now everybody wants to try it. In the encyclopedia, it actually gives us a sense of the skill that is necessary to use the Dune Tarot effectively. There's a great quote. Quote, the skill of the reader came into play too. As Eligar Luna Charaki says, mm. meaning resides not in the cards, but in the mind of the reader. The cards provide only a focus 
and a symbology for the channeling of the energy, for the clearing of the vision, for the opening of the eyes of the seeker. Mm. End quote. That's cool. Now, the encyclopedia isn't super clear about how many people could use the Dune Tarot effectively, but there is a small quote that tells us that, quote, there were many in high and low positions in the Atreidean Empire who had that skill, end quote. Right. So that's not exactly a number of people, but (laughs) many, (laughs) many people in the Empire could do that. I mean, a reminder that the Atreidean Empire is hundreds of billions of people. Yes. So even if it's cream of the crop, you know, sorry, Joe Schmo. Even if it's Joe Schmo's incredibly talented cousin, Rob <laughs> Schmob, uh, it's, <laughs> you know, it's still very few people in the grand scheme of things. But I think that just is a representation of the scale of Dune that we often forget. Yeah. You know, billions of people, tens of billions of people. One percent is still, I'm not going to do the math, hundreds of thousands, millions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Significance. How about that? 1% is still enough people to tamper with Paul's prescient abilities to make it annoying for him, which is so, so fascinating. And it, again, the fact that these cards do work and do provide very limited, very small, probably not entirely useful levels of prescience to the people who use them effectively. Right. That tampering with Paul's own extremely powerful and OP... (laughs) Prescient abilities (laughs) is really, really interesting. Like, it's clearly an example of scale, right? right? There are enough people using like a tiny percentage of prescience at once throughout the galaxy that it's starting to actually bug Paul's uber powerful levels of prescience, right? But now that we've sort of set the scene and talked about the Dune Tarot's rise to popularity and its role in the universe and how it's mentioned in Messiah. Let's actually get into the cards themselves, because as you mentioned earlier, Leo, the creators of the encyclopedia go deep on this. (laughs) Yeah, they do. And really like almost lovingly craft these cards and the details that go into them. So we want to sort of honestly celebrate that a little bit and celebrate their hard work there. But also it's so interesting and the cards that are mentioned in the encyclopedia are so fascinating. So let's talk about the cards themselves. Yeah. So you've just bought yourself a deck of Dune Tarot. You, you bought it. It's in that green or red packaging. And you, uh, you crack it open. Well, here's what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like today's tarot decks, the Dune Tarot has four suits, which makes sense. The suits are pretty similar to what we covered before. Uh, the Dune Tarot suits are knives, globes, staves, and basins. So, again... Relating back to what we said earlier, uh, the swords has become knives, coins has become globes, wands have become staves, and cups have become basins. Now, on Arrakis, you know, galactic heart of the empire, there are actually specific terminologies used for those suits, which are even more culturally specific to Fremen and, of course, the denizens of Arrakis, which is Chris knives for knives, glow globes, love them for globes, <laughs> wind poles for uh, staves, which is nice. cool, I guess, and dew collectors for basins. I love it. Very, very specific <laughs> to Arrakis. Yeah. I imagine people on Portrait are like, what the fuck are dew collectors? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
that's smart. You know, you adapt your product for your audience. Yeah. This is why, like, McDonald's in Japan is different from McDonald's in America. <laughs> different audiences, folks. No kidding. <laughs> good point. You can't get wasabi fries in America. <laughs> oh, wish you could, though. <laughs> so good. And we'll talk about it in a second, but it's also possible it went the other way around. Because we'll talk about some of the early origins of the Duntero. But, yeah, it's interesting to see these sort of shifting cultural terminologies and where they kind of sit. Yeah. Totally. So the encyclopedia continues to go further in detail here. And it actually features some illustrated major arcana cards. Yeah. And it lists their full names and their full meanings. And it's all super, super fascinating. And if you want to check those illustrations and details out yourself, you can find those around page 267 in the encyclopedia. Yeah. We highly recommend you take a look. A lot of work was put into that, clearly. We do want to highlight some of those major arcana because they're so fascinating. And again, it's seemingly real-life major arcana that have been adapted to the Dune universe. So it's fun to sort of draw those parallels between actual tarot cards that we know today and how they were changed in the fictional Dune universe. Yeah, absolutely. So the first example that we wanted to highlight is in the Dune tarot, the world card, which is the real-world major arcana card, numbered 21. So it's like you know, Major Arcana 21 is the world, has become the universe, hmm. right? <laughs> Makes a certain sense. Humans are no longer on one planet. <laughs> it's, right. That's how it works. Now, this reflects some themes we talked about in the OC Bible episode, right? Yeah. We were talking about how, like, even the Bible had to be rewritten because it was no longer, you know, humans going forth and populating the earth. It's populating the galaxy, I think is the wording in the kind of updated updated post-space travel Bible. But in general, a lot of those old faith and belief systems, including clearly some of these fortune-telling or divination practices, had to be updated, their terms of service had to be updated <laughs> yes. to, to kind of, you know, feature a wider perspective because humanity's perspective was broadening as we were going star to star. Mm -hmm. The illustration on the card itself, you know, looking at it, I was like, okay, we've got two faces. That's kind of fun. But the explanation really brings this to a, uh, to a cool level of, of, of lore reference. The encyclopedia explains, quote, a figure with two faces represents the Kwisatz Haderach. Oh my God. Bridging space and time and symbolizes the intrusion of the divine into the ordinary. End quote. Uh, oh, so, that's so, so badass. Dope. Wow. I mean, we know that in the Fremen vocabulary, because of the Missionaria Protectiva, that the shortening of the way or the Kwisatz Haderach was, was part of that mythos. But it is kind of fun to think about any non-Fremen people buying these Dune Tarot decks are like, oh, yeah, this is the Paul card. <laughs> That's Paul. <laughs> this is Paul's got the two faces. Yeah, right. he's super famous. He's my emperor. I don't know about you, but <laughs> he's great. Yeah, hashtag my emperor. <laughs> hashtag my emperor. Yeah, I love that. Symbolizing the intrusion of the divine into the ordinary. Beautiful. So cool. The poetry is also just lovely throughout these sections. Yeah, incredible. Okay, the next card is the Fool, which is the Arcana Major card numbered zero, mm -hmm. which in the Dune universe becomes the Wanderer. Cool. Now, the image on the Wanderer depicts a lone silhouette 
on a desert plain, and the sun is either rising or setting. It's a little ambiguous as he travels alone, bindle over his shoulder. Mm. Pretty iconic Dune imagery there. Yeah. Easy to imagine. <laughs> now, from the text description of this card, quote, He walks alone, his bindle with staff over his shoulder. He does not know what the bindle contains, for he does not understand the affliction a hero brings to his planet. End quote. Oh my gosh, that word affliction comes out of left field unless you're familiar with the themes of Dune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you are familiar with the themes of Dune, then you might be familiar with a certain famous quote from a certain daddy kinds. <laughs> Beautiful hair, yep. <laughs> quote, no more terrible disaster could befall your people than for them to fall into the hands of a hero, Ugh. which is so central to all of the Dune novels, Frank's warnings against charismatic leaders, his warnings against messiahs and the dangers they can bring. And it's so cool to see this arcana card, the Wanderer, explicitly take that theme and turn it into this imagery right. uh, of this lone wanderer in the desert at sunrise and or sunset with an empty bindle, not understanding the affliction that a hero can bring to a planet. It, it's cool that that theme makes its way even into the Dune tarot. It's also interesting, you know, a Fremen is often pictured culturally with the siege. Yeah. So you see a lone figure on the in the desert with a bindle and you go, hmm, something went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> something. Perhaps you'd even call him a wanderer. A fool. Or a fool. A fool. <laughs> <laughs> you may even call him. Well played. <laughs> Indeed. It is foolish to be out there alone, right? Now, the Devil card is the next card that we're going to highlight here. This is in Major Arcana in real life decks, uh, number 15. And in the Dune Tarot is depicted as Great Worm, which, man, is just a massive peek into the Fremen religion. Now, as someone who's not super familiar with tarot decks, I think of Devil as almost exclusively a bad thing. It's worth mentioning that in modern tarot decks, it seems as though, from what I was researching, it's not good or bad, right? Mm. It is a, a tool of interpretation. So one explanation I found says that the, the devil appears as a, quote, tempter who shows the way to the depths of the human being, end quote, which evokes money and promising contracts, kind of, etc. right? Mm -hmm. Now... Immediately, when we're talking about money and promising contracts, I think of spice. Yeah. I think of the smugglers. I, I think of spacing guild bribes, right? All of these elements that we encounter during the first Dune book. And I think about the great houses, right? Clawing over one another desperately to get to this planet for the wealth of Spice Melange and Liet Kynes, son of Daddy Kynes, <laughs> as he... Colloquially known as <laughs> AKA Daddy, Kind. Daddy Kinds Jr. Uh, talking to Duke Leto Atreides, saying, quote, Arrakis could be an Eden if its rulers would look up from grubbing for spice. End quote. Yeah. Wonderful to to kind of read that spite in his voice for grubbing for spice like like mindless beasts. We get more depth to this card as we find out that the Great Worm card is sometimes depicted as Shaitan, which uh Abu, you were telling me, is um, Arabic for Satan, right? Yeah, for Satan or the devil. I mean, I was raised Muslim, and 
Shaitan or Shaitan hmm. is basically, you know, the word that was used in my household growing up, you know, like don't don't be tempted by Shaitan, don't be tempted by the devil, don't be bad, don't be, you know, like the, there's a lot of religious context to that word. Right, right. And specifically in Arabic, it translates quite directly to devil. Wow. Yeah. And even w- without knowing that context, in Dune, you know, we have Dr. Yui says uh, in the tooth chapter, <laughs> he says, quote, I made a shaitan's bargain with the Baron. Yeah. A devil's deal, a devil's bargain. It is, again, a bit of that Arabic language that we see in other parts of Dune utilized to kind of ref- refer to the great worm as this character, as this figure. Right. Now, from the text, the great worm, quote, lies curled deep in a cave and guards the pearl of great price, end quote. So that's clearly spice. Yeah, uh, melange. But <laughs> spice melange. <laughs> it is related to this complicated relationship that the Fremen have with Shai Halud, right? Their god, their deity, who also is this bringer of death and this bringer of temptation and this pearl that draws off-worlders to their planet, which then gets in their way of, you know, ecological restoration or whatever. There is this god to be worshipped, but also treated with caution because, guys, no matter how much you love a dummy thick spicy boy from the desert, (laughs) one of those spice worms, shout out to like our third episode, we made that joke? Yeah. Anyway, they're dangerous. (laughs) They're real, real dangerous. So, right. Fun to see that duality represented in this major arcana. For sure. Okay, next card, the moon, Mm -hmm. which is major arcana card number 18, in the Dune Tarot, in kind of a twist here, becomes the card called Al-Lat. The Al-Lat card depicts an oppressive sun, challenging and deadly, looming over a young worm, which lies exposed on the hot sand. Mm-hmm. And the text description for the card says, quote, The desert sun encourages the growth of Shai Halud, but this is the devouring sun, a deadly power. And then the quote continues a little later. It signifies an approaching trial or growth of the spirit. Ugh. End quote. Love it. There's so much Fremen imagery here. Yeah. I mean, Shai Halud, which is obviously the great worm of the desert. Right. The sun being something that encourages growth, right? The harshness of the desert is what made the Fremen people so powerful and so resilient. Right. But it's also a sun that can be devouring in its deadly power. It is dangerous. Right. So there's that duality again. And of course, this idea, this very Fremen idea of trials and overcoming them and challenges in life and using that as a way to grow and to challenge your spirit, that, that's all tied up into this card, uh, which I love. It's wrapped up so nicely in so much of the lore and culture that we know about Arrakis and about the Fremen. I mean, we even talked about Amtal rule, right? Right. That idea of testing something to its breaking point and pushing something for that growth. So that's, yeah, I love that. That's so cool. Now, finally, we have a card that we don't actually see the illustration for, but I have to include it because it's incredible. (laughs) The Hayrafan. So this is the fifth major arcana of real-world decks has become, in Dune, uh, fucking 
Empoleros. Empoleros. Oh my gosh. Guys, I'm so close to getting an Empoleros tattoo. <laughs> I'm so hyped that this is becoming a theme. It's wow. fine. Let's talk about it from the text. <laughs> Quote, Empoleros on one oh peck my God. and microorganisms on the other. You got your tattoos right there, Leo. People are like, what are your tattoos about? And I'm like, I've got this great podcast for you to listen to. <laughs> episodes are three hours long now, so enjoy. And you also have to listen to all 30 episodes or none of this makes sense. <laughs> Just to sense my building enthusiasm for this one spaceship. Anyway, yeah. from the text, quote, The vehicle unites the physical and spiritual, or unites one's own planet with the regions of Alam al-Mithal. Any highliner could symbolize the soaring spirit. But this particular one suggests the endless nature of the task. End quote. Oh my God. Uh, it's so good and so weird that this is the case. <laughs> so in our book club, we talked about it really briefly. Um, and I don't think we could ever justify a full episode on Ampolaros. So I'll just say it again. Jessica literally says just the word. And that's the only time in Dune it ever appears. But the fine folks at the Dune Encyclopedia wrote a whole thing about it <laughs> and it's wonderful basically it was a limited range planetary cruiser captained by a crew that caught some sort of like space madness disease mm -hmm. and they were convinced that all of humanity was wiped out by aliens so they have their like loaded guns ready to fight aliens completely off course just near the speed of light indefinitely and because of that near light speed travel they are basically immortal because of time dilation and i love that that then becomes the sort of footnote in the tarot explanation the time dilation effect of the near light speed travel is part of that symbolism around the endless nature of uniting spirit and physical yeah so cool and then to remember very briefly because i i love the poetry of this line jessica's words quote forever seeking forever prepared and forever unready end quote uh which goosebumps now that i'm in my 30s resonates <laughs> it's like me and snacks i'm just forever seeking forever prepared but for somehow forever unready you know? right so hard to unite the physical and spiritual when it comes to cheetos man <laughs> they just they just don't sit well anymore uh the physical rejects the spiritual <laughs> when cheetos are on the table so those are just some of the major arcana cards that exist in the Dune Tarot. Yeah. Obviously, the encyclopedia lists all of them because that's apparently just what the encyclopedia does. It goes way too deep on everything, right. which is incredible and we love it. it sounds familiar. <laughs> exactly. Much like this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to take a bit of a breather here. Yes. And we're going to go on break, but hang around because right after the break, we're going to talk about the timeline of the Dune Tarot. And I can't wait to get into this part. Why Paul fucking hates it. It's messing with his powers. It's his least favorite episode of our podcast. <laughs> exactly. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. We will be back in just a minute. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about the timeline of the Dune Tarot and where it may have come from. Because again, the origins here are interesting. There's a lot of possibilities here. Mm -hmm. Unsurprisingly, the Dune Tarot can be traced back to Earth. (laughs) Well, go figure. You don't say. You Mm. don't say. From more than 20,000 years prior to Dune, which, of course, is before the widespread space travel that uh, that humans kind of got used to eventually. Yeah. Many in the Dune universe have come to the conclusion that the introduction of the Dune tarot decks, or the tarot decks in general, to planet Arrakis was the Zensuni Wanderers, the kind of proto-Fremen, mm. who brought them from Earth to Portran and then to the, the other places they went. I think Belategus and Seleucus Secundus and yeah. a couple of those other planets that... Yeah. We talked about in the Fremen episode that I've somewhat (laughs) forgotten. So long ago. So long ago. It's a little hard to nail down when the Dune Tarot shot up in popularity. Right. There's not really any specific dates that are given, but we can do a little bit of guesstimating here. Mm. Although the Dune Tarot decks have been around, like we've said, for 20,000 plus years, it's sort of rise into the mainstream. Wasn't until Paul came into power at the end of the first Dune novel. Right. Now, by the beginning of Messiah, right, a few years later, the decks are way more widespread. Paul, like by owning the Godhead and becoming this Messiah for the Fremen people, he also linked this idea of being Fremen and having prescience, right? Yeah. So I think of it like you go to Paris and you're like, I'm going to buy a beret, you know? Yeah. Suddenly... You know, tourists visiting Arrakis would be like, well, the cool Fremen thing to do would be to buy one of these prescient decks. Right. Kind of whether or not they had the skill to use it. And look, the decks are available, folks. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. There's a quote at the height of the popularity of these Dune Tarot. Alia notes, quote, red and green packages containing the new Dune Tarot were prominent among the vendors' wares, end quote. Yeah. So clearly... These are hot commodities. Now, tourists, sure. Fremen people, sure. Even Gaius Helen Moheim Yo. uses a Dune tarot deck in Dune Messiah. And again, we're not going to talk too much about plot, but it is a little bit crazy to see such an incredibly powerful Bene Gesserit, a reverend mother, using this, like, hip new thing, but... Clearly, the Bene Gesserit are seeing Paul having risen to status as a Kwisatz Haderach and going, oh, that prescience thing looks pretty good. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Wow, we lost control of that thing real quick. Yeah. Maybe we should. Maybe we should just dabble a little bit (laughs) in prescience. Uh, I can't imagine the shame. (laughs) All of that having been said, though, tarot fever does not stick around forever. Right. All good things must come to an end. Right. Just like Furby's, (laughs) the decline is inevitable. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's such a good example. R.I.P. Furbies. Uh, R.I.P. Furbies. <laughs> Gone too soon yep. or way too late. They were terrifying. <laughs> they were terrifying. <laughs> Scary toys. Anyway. Right. The Dune Tarot follows that a very similar trajectory to many other fads. Right. A rise in popularity because of a prominent figure or influencer. And then over the years, that popularity starts to fade and the Dune Tarot is no different. Right. The Dune Terra loses prominence over time and in later Dune novels barely has a presence. You know, only nine years after Dune Messiah ends, which is, reminder, most popular, right? Furbies in every house. <laughs> we get a description of this bustling market, right? This is in Children of Dune. We get this description of a bustling market selling kind of bits and baubles targeting just naive tourists, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the Dune Tarot is listed among the wares, which really goes to show you just nine years later, this is no longer a serious tool of divination. This is just a thing. Yeah. Just a cheap toy. Like a, I don't know, souvenir. They they, they end up to the right of the bits, right behind the baubles. <laughs> That's sort of their legacy at that point. Although, Arrakis baubles, pretty great. That's what I hear. A lot of sand, though. That's full of sand. That's what they are. It's just a <laughs> handful of sand. Anyway, that's the timeline of the Dune Tarot. So from the kind of obscure ancient Terran practice to kind of like the hippest fad at the center of the universe, and then like nine years later, they've gone to obscure souvenirs for your trip to Arrakis. Man, what a, what a journey for a single thing to take. In such a short period of time. Right. Ignoring the 20,000 year buildup to the short period of time. <laughs> I said short period of time before I thought about it. It's tw that's like 26,000 years, but it's fine. <laughs> Still. Yeah. But, Leo. Yeah. There's more. Oh. Because there's one huge part of Dune Tarot that we mentioned earlier that we haven't talked about yet. Yes. How they play a role in prescience. Ah. Paul loves them. Specifically, how they annoy the fuck out of Paul. Oh, right. He hates them. They're his least favorite. <laughs> he hates them. Oh. So we got to talk about that. So let's talk about the effect that these Dune Tarot, at the height of their popularity, have on Paul's powers. Because it's so fascinating yeah. that they tamper with it. It's so fascinating that the, this widespread use of very, very minimal amounts of prescience start to affect his major use of prescience. I love this so much because it definitely does add a sort of Z dimension to an already very flushed out idea, uh, that, that idea of prescience. But let's recap a little bit what we know about prescience because, yeah, you're right. The Dune Tarot fucks with Paul <laughs> and he hates it. <laughs> uh, but we kind of need to remember why it would have this effect because it is actually reasonable. It makes sense. To be clear, prescience isn't all that it's cracked up to be, right? Like, you can accidentally lock in an intergalactic jihad oops whoops there are deadly nexus blind spots where you're just like oh i might get knifed in the next two hours and i have no fucking clue like how to avoid it great plus false images where you're like i'm pretty sure harry potter had a character named ron in it and it's throwing <laughs> me off you know it doesn't seem like a big deal but if you remember being in a space and you were there with your friend and your friend's not there that might cause hesitation at a crucial moment. And again, you might get a fucking knife between your ribs. You might get a kinjal between the ribs, right? Yeah. So already 
prescience is not the omnipowerful or overpowered thing that it's easy to paint it as. Right. And there's another layer. Right. Because adding to all of that, prescience is blind to other prescience. Yeah. Which we learn <laughs> in Dude Messiah. Right. So if you are a guild steersman, or if you are a Kwisatz Haderach like Ball Atreides, you cannot see each other in your prescient visions. Right. You become a blind spot to other people who can also tap into prescience. There's a quote from Irulan in Dune Messiah that says, quote, It's true then. Our emperor cannot see a steersman. They are mutually blind. End quote. Yeah. Now, luckily for Paul, being the first and only Kwisatz Heterach of his time, there are not that many super powerful prescient people out there in the universe, right? So, like, his vision is <laughs> right. pretty limitless without any gaping holes from other prescient users there's really just him a couple of weak ass steersmen who only use that prescience to <laughs> right. drive highliner ships for the spacing guild they also leave a mess can you believe Ugh. it <laughs> mopping up after them is awful Gross. <laughs> just juices everywhere and then of course there's his younger sister alia who is a preborn. right that's it right and again we are talking like he is off the charts right midi-chlorian count of pressure <laughs> right. so really no one else is competing with him on that level he's like he's the michael jordan on the field and no one else is really playing ball at his level yeah. but they're still annoying the fuck out of him you know they're tripping him up and getting in his way the speed with which you transition from star wars analogy to sports really leaves <laughs> me wondering if michael jordan's jedi <laughs> <laughs> and that's great i mean listen he's got himself he's got Aaliyah, his younger sister uh, who's on his side and then the big dumb navigators leaving juicy pools everywhere they go <laughs> but wait folks yeah we've been talking now for nearly an hour maybe more than an hour we'll see <laughs> we've been talking about a way that you dear listener oh for four easy payments of 1999 solaris can have your very own bit of prescience <gasps> oh what a deal what a bargain hell yeah also fucking sucks for paul yep <laughs> he hates it it's the worst right because now in addition to just alia and the steersman using minor prescience right he's got millions of people across his empire annoyingly trying to knock on the door of prescience and poke their little heads in they are literally causing ripples in paul's prescient visions it's wild. I mean, this is really, regardless of the, you know, you you might be behind the cards yourself going, ah, I have no idea what these mean. But if you got that little glimpse or glimmer of the future, well, maybe that's enough, you know? And again, in a singular instance of someone using a Dune Tarot card, we could be talking like small scale Prussian annoyance, right? Right. Paul could be going to his favorite frozen yogurt place on Arrakis <laughs> and he's thinking like, yo, I'm going to get that strawberry sorbet or whatever, my favorite. That's so good. Yeah. But lo and behold, there's a massive blind spot in his prescient vision that doesn't tell him if the strawberry sorbet is still there because some other dude got his fortune told and found out he was going to get the last of the strawberry sorbet. Oh, gosh. That's like a minor annoyance. Tragic. No, minor. Tragic, but minor. <laughs> Throws off your whole day. Throws off your whole day as the emperor of the known universe. <laughs> he had a hard day. He needs that sweet, that sweet treat. Right. Now imagine that level of in inconvenience times millions across the entire galaxy. Right. Like we're talking strawberry sorbet 
gone from every yogurt place in the galaxy. That is the sort of holes that are being poked in his prescient visions. Right. And what's interesting is there's a theory, almost a conspiracy theory, that the Dune Tarot is actually a nefarious muddying of the prescient waters on purpose. Yeah. Someone may be using the tarot to combat Paul and to inhibit his abilities. Fascinating. So it's interesting to think that along with Paul just making prescience and mysticism cool again, there (laughs) could also be a deeper meaning to the Dune Tarot and their popularity in that third parties are potentially using it as a tool against an emperor who frankly knows every move you're going to make, right? Right. Like it's hard to plot against an emperor if he knows exactly what you're plotting all the time. (laughs) Right. So what do you do? You limit how much of your plot he can see. Yeah. So, you know, there's no confirmation on whether or not the Dune Tarot was used in this way, but there are certainly theories out there. Yeah. And listen, like either way, it was going to happen. Like they were going to become more popular. Again, there are these unknown sources, but there were tarot decks out there. Either way, it seems pretty inevitable that fuzziness would have occurred. Yeah. But it is interesting to think about this as like a malicious, how do you combat someone who can see the future, create more futures? (laughs) And now he's not sure which one he's in. There you go. It's uh, somehow kind of (laughs) simple. Right. Also infinitely complex. Love it. That that's Dune in a nutshell. That's Dune in a nutshell. That's also this podcast in a nutshell. Because <laughs> right there, you have it, folks. There you have it. An hour or so into this damn conversation, <laughs> in classic Gamjabar fashion, we have now told you way more than you wanted to ever know. <laughs> right about a tiny detail mentioned briefly in Frank's novels. <laughs> There's like one listener who's like, woo. <laughs> Right. We got there. For the one guy who's still with us, baby. Oh my gosh. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap up today's episode. Period. Let's wrap it up. But also with a quick little question. Yeah. Abu. Mm-hmm. If we, God, fingers crossed, get a Dune Messiah film adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think the Dune Tarot will make it onto the silver screen? Would you want it to? Or do you think that maybe the, like, core actual narrative <laughs> with, like, heroes <laughs> and villains and, like, plot, uh, do you think that would all be distracted from to have something like that in it? I mean, we laugh, but I think the Dune Tarot is actually pretty critical to the plot of Dune Messiah. And I won't get into detail because we want to be light on the spoilers here for Dune Messiah. Right. But... I think it's pretty tangential to the events that unfold in that book. And I would actually be quite disappointed if the future hypothetical Dune Messiah movie didn't include at least a brief reference Mm. to the Dune Tarot. Like, we don't need even someone saying the words Dune Tarot. Right. But, like, you know, give us a shot through a marketplace where we see someone buying a pack of cards or we see a fortune teller using the Dune Tarot for somebody in a marketplace like that i think is an important concept again speaking to world building speaking to how this humble little deck of cards is connected to so many other themes and plot lines in the dune books i think it would be a mistake to not include the dune tarot in a messiah movie Mm. even in a minor minor sense i think they play a critical role and particularly in the way the tarot affects paul's prescient abilities That's important. 
I think it's it would be up to that movie to really show us ways in which Paul's incredible powers fall short. And the Dune Tarot is one very, very stark way in which Paul is not completely omniscient and does not know everything there is to know. That's a great point. You know, I didn't even think about if we get a sense of what Paul's prescience looks like in these Denis Villeneuve films, seeing that same prescient vision muddied would be such an interesting visual storytelling element. And of course, we have the scene with Moheim using the cards, but I could also see them like, you know, retconning that or, or changing that to be just her talking with Irulan or whatever. So I'm I'm hopeful. I think that I think you're right. I think they are closer to the heart of Dune Messiah than they might initially, you know, appear. I think in my initial research for this, there was a lot of seeing articles online where people are going, "What? There are tarot decks in Dune," <laughs> which people don't often do regarding central themes and central artifacts. But guys, I just want. I just want an official, I don't know. I want an Impala Rose card. I just. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, give us the Impala Rose card. Give us the Impala, or a figurine, a toy. I don't know. Just something. Yeah. I want to spend money on Impala Rose. <laughs> Look, dear Warner Brother exec who we know is listening to this. Every episode. Yeah. You want our money? Uh-huh. Give us a Dune tarot deck as merch. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would buy one for myself. <laughs> Yeah. And one for all members of my family. Amazing. And you know what? Even better, make them work at telling the future. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm in the 1%, but I don't know that I'm not. <laughs> right. That would be so cool. I would just use it for super mundane things. I'd be like, is there going to be an episode of My Hero Academia this weekend? And then I would like consult the cards. And then if it works, I'd be like, woo! <laughs> I was right. Let's go. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, this is a great marketing opportunity for the folks at Warner Brothers. It's the Star Wars strategy of sell the toys, you know? Yeah. T take a loss on the movie and make a billion fucking dollars on the merch. Give us the Dune Tarot. I would love it. Just a bag of sand. That'd be the best merch. Oh my gosh. If they if they sold an official bag of sand merchandise, I I'd would buy, buy it. it. <laughs> if it was just a, a sack of sand that said sand from Arrakis. Yeah. I'd buy it. Yeah. Vaguely cinnamon <laughs> smelling. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path. Uh, give me all the Dune merch. I can't help myself. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll just read my credit card out loud for the <laughs> Warner Brother exec. Yeah. And you, you can just kind of input that into your system. No one else listen. Charge me for everything. <laughs> no one else listen. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else, please mute this part of the episode. Yeah. This card number is 41. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. yeah. 